joins us as he does each and every month here on the Breakfast Club. We've we've shot the weather is way better right now than it was last month. I'm just I was gonna thinking go that on the ride over. I'm going full on record here as saying that. That is yeah. that is that's impressive. That's good. I don't know if you guys did that up in Augusta, but if you made that happen, really, really appreciate that. No, but I, I do remember it seemed like just a month or two ago we were talking about single digit high temperatures. <laughs> Yes, I I'm getting I, very angry. We were not know. very we were not very we were not very yeah. far from that, which is really scary. But but now's the time that people are going to start complaining about the humidity and the heat. Yes, so that's already happened. Got to be ready for that. I heard that. I've heard that with people like oh, I hate the humidity. I'm like, "Oh my god, stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop it right now." And these are the same people will tell you later on that they're moving out of state when they retire so they can move some more warm. <laughs> but you don't like the humidity. Okay, well, good luck with that. Yeah. So you got a big bill passed last week. Uh, Governor vetoed it, but you guys uh, overrode the veto. Uh, congrats on that. Let's talk a little bit about the bill and why it's important, uh, about yeah. child care rate increases. Yeah, this was a, a major piece of work on my part over the last several months, and in fact, two years. And it started with about two years ago, meeting with a big group of child care providers in and around Lewis and um and they were talking about all the different issues they have with trying to keep their business uh, up and running, but also provide a vital service to Maine's workforce by providing uh, quality and safe child care for Maine's working people. So um, over the years, uh, there's been a, a pretty successful program where the state helps low to moderate income families with uh, child care costs. And uh, the benefits are for working people and, and a lot of middle class folks actually qualify for it. The problem has been that those rates uh, for that program have been dropping, and uh, since the recession, they went down to about 50% of the market rate. So imagine you're trying to operate a business, and some customers are paying full price, and some customers um, are being paid for at 50% of market rate. It's hard to make the finances work. So all we did with this bill, and it was a pretty monumental effort, um, was say that we're going to raise those rates to 75% of the market rate. We're going to use new funds that are available from Congress um, because Congress just passed a two-year budget where they um, gave Maine a significant increase in the child care block grant funds. So what we said is as soon as those uh, funds come into the state, the administration is directed to increase rates for child care providers. The governor vetoed the bill. He said that um, this is unnecessary, um, that 75% is too high, but when you talk to these providers who've been struggling to survive um, and take uh, these kids that receive some of the public benefit, uh, it was really hard to, to make that case. So uh, he vetoed it, and we overrode it in the Senate. I think it was like 31 to 3. And then down in the House, um, we overrode it, I think, 115 to 30, plus or minus. So it was a lot of... Uh, uh, one-on-one lobbying, um, a lot of uh, cajoling and, and persuading, but I was able to uh, muster the votes to overturn a veto. I think this was my first veto override, so pretty uh, pretty cool accomplishment. That's cool. That is yeah. pretty cool. That's great. That's a that's one to notch up there. That's yeah. a, that doesn't happen all the time. So um, one thing I want to mention here, and then we're going to jump on to kind of what's left after the legislative session. Uh, BIW was in the news recently. They were getting a state tax credit saying that it helps make them competitive winning Navy contracts. What's the story here? What's the status of that tax credit? How's that going? Yeah, this was a really controversial uh, issue because you had a lot of folks who um, talk about the state giving out tax breaks to large companies and you know equating that to corporate welfare. When we're talking about BIW, they are owned by uh, General Dynamics, which is a large multinational defense contractor. And um, BIW competes for contracts with the Navy 
um, with places like um, Engels uh, down in uh, the Gulf Coast. Uh, I can't remember if it's Louisiana or Mississippi, but Engels is their main competitor, and the state government there showers them with benefits, and tens of millions of dollars worth of benefits, free property, property tax-free, lower energy costs, um, subsidies for operations. And so uh, BIW's main competitor is being heavily subsidized by their state, um, and BIW came to us for what, by comparison, is a fairly modest bit of assistance. It comes out to $2.5 million a year. Um, in tax reductions so that um, the, the company there can be a little bit more competitive when bidding for uh, Navy ship construction. Um, it, this was a, a, a tough vote. Uh, ultimately, I decided to cast a vote in favor of extending the tax credit because you know I was doing this really for the, the workforce down there. Um, 5,000 workers uh, paid really well, uh, good benefits. Uh, they're a major part of Maine's economy and Maine's uh, heritage industries, and so I, I, I decided um, it's better to be safe with this one and extend the tax credit. So um, I think that that bill's uh, either been enacted or is, is pending enactment, um, but it was an overwhelming, fairly overwhelming uh, bipartisan uh, support for that one. We're talking with Senator Nate Libby, like we do each and every month, but more on the way, 814, 54 degrees. Senator Nate Libby joins us now and continues with us now, talking about all the things happening up in Augusta, or in some cases, things not happening. Session came to a halt last week. A lot of unfinished business to attend to. Um, what happened and what's left to finish? We have uh, basically all of the major items of this uh, short session left to finish. Um, it was very strange what happened last week up in the legislature. Um, typically, when we're coming to the end, um, which is uh, second or third week in April, um, it's a good deadline that motivates people to finish up their work. And we get to a point where um, we're close to the finish of our work, but logistically need a few extra days to get all the paperwork processed and move things along. In the past, extending the session for an extra five days has been a, a regular procedural thing with not much at all in the way of controversy. But this year, um, the House Republicans decided they wanted to make it uh, controversial. So they blocked an extension order um, on two occasions, um, and it basically has left us in a, a limbo situation. So what's concerning is there are a number of really important unfinished items to take care of. Um, nursing homes um, are facing uh, some shortages, and they rely heavily on the state um, through the Medicaid program to uh, keep operations open, so um, they need a little bit of money um, for the next fiscal year. Uh, opiate addiction treatment programs, this has been a major focus of a lot of us over the last several years. I mean, it's not just a main problem, it's a problem across the country, but we know we've got a shortage of treatment facilities, we've got a shortage of detox beds, um, we've got a, a inability for folks without insurance to get affordable treatment, lots of problems there. We've got some solutions, but th those are all put on hold because of the House Republicans' uh, action uh, last week. We've got direct care workers. They work with folks with cognitive and um, uh, physical disabilities. Um, those folks are, are suffering the same kind of situation that nursing homes are suffering. And then we've got other big issues that I think are, are pretty widely popular. Um, public school funding uh, for the next fiscal year is being held up. This is a a technical fix that we need to do um, that, that absolutely has to get done. 
um, bonding for roads, um, the uh, higher education system, public infrastructure, those are being held up. And then uh, the final one, which I know Republicans really want, and which makes this uh, situation very confusing, I think, for the outside person to understand, is um, conforming Maine's tax code with the, f- the new federal tax laws. This is a major priority for Republicans. Um, I think if they had their druthers, they would do this and nothing else. Um, we, on, on the Democratic side, have been uh, negotiating in good faith on this, and uh, we had a deal a couple weeks ago. Um, with all, all four parties, but um, for some reason we are caught in this charade of um, obstructionism and, and putting all of these issues at risk, which I think is uh, disturbing for the public and you know, disturbing for us who uh, really want to get this work done but um, need, a, need a, a partner in the House Republican Caucus to negotiate in good faith with. Talking with State Senator Nate Libby, we'll have more around the bend. Mains Big Z, 927 I'm hanging out with Senator Nate Libby this morning here on The Breakfast Club. Talking about a couple of things here. By the way, uh, education-wise, you uh, you wanted to do a little public service announcement for Lewiston Public Schools. Yeah, I uh, just want to let folks know that if you live in Lewiston and are registered to vote uh, tomorrow, which is Tuesday, uh, you have the opportunity to vote on the school budget. Um, voting will take place at Longley Elementary School, which is in downtown, from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., um, the vote will ask you if you approve of the school budget that's been uh, proposed by the school committee and the city council. Uh, it also has a second non-binding question um, if you think the budget is too high, too low, or uh, just right. So that's uh, happening tomorrow, um, Longley School, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's the Goldilocks question, that's I right. believe. Yes, that's yes. good. That's nice. Yeah. Um Let's talk about uh, the governor's race. That's a that's a thing that is happening. Yeah, you know, people yeah. are that's that's all shaken out. Uh, Republicans held their state convention uh, over the weekend up at the ACC, uh, and there was an interesting straw poll vote on the Republican uh, gubernatorial candidate, uh, and it involved somebody who was recently on the Breakfast Club. What was the result, and uh, and what's your take on this? Yeah, this was an interesting um, straw poll vote conducted by the Maine College Republicans. They basically asked, you know. Um, among the four candidates still in the race, who do the convention goers prefer? And I think this is interesting because the folks that go to the convention represent kind of the very um, hardcore uh, activist types within a, a political party, and that's certainly the case for the Republicans. So in the straw poll vote, what was interesting was that Mary Mayhew uh, came away with a pretty convincing uh, win. She earned 44% of the vote, uh, pretty close to uh, a majority. Um, in second, um, it was Sean Moody at 28 points. Um, Garrett Mason uh, was a close third at 25 points. And then very bizarrely in fourth place is uh, Ken Fredette, the House Republican leader, uh, at three points. Um, so this was kind of a crushing defeat for uh, Representative Fredette. And of course, I was talking to you earlier about um, all of the work we're trying to accomplish in Augusta coming to a grinding halt, and it's principally due to Representative Fredette, the House Republican leader, um, you know, negotiating with us all through the session, uh, us feeling like we had come up with a deal, and at the end he backs out and blows everything up. Um, I think we all thought maybe this was a strategy for him to get some notoriety uh, in the Republican primary, but if you uh, are looking at this college Republicans poll, doesn't seem to be the case. 
Seems odd. That's all right. What uh, Democratic-wise, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, there was a poll that came out uh, just a couple days ago. It was a, a statewide poll uh, conducted over the phone. And um, I think most of us had expected that Janet Mills, the attorney general, um, is the front runner. And that was confirmed by uh, this poll that just came out. Um, what's interesting, though, is that they did conduct the poll in a ranked choice format. So you get to see through all the various uh, levels of scoring preference, um, you know, the lowest performing candidate in the first round drops off and they recalculate the votes and it goes to the second, third, fourth round and so forth. So in the ranked choice system, um, Donna Dion from Biddeford is the first to be um, taken out of the scoring. She's the, the lowest performing, followed by Diane Russell then uh, Betsy Sweet, and then uh, the remaining four, Adam Cody, Mark Dion, Mark Eves, and Janet Mills, those four are battling it out. And uh, Cody is then next to drop off, followed by Mark Dion. Eves is the strongest contender to Mills, uh, but then Mills beats out Mark Eves in the end. And then um, just while we're on the subject, they also polled the uh, Republican primary uh, in this instance, it's more or less mirroring the um, college Republicans uh, poll, but in this situation, Fredette is the first to drop out, um, followed by Mason, and then Mayhew and Moody switch. So Mayhew appears to be the uh, party faithful favorite, while uh, Moody seems to have um, a broader appeal among the Republican electorate. So I think that's going to be an interesting uh, race to watch uh, on the Republican side, especially with Garrett Mason, who's uh, got the public financing system behind him, uh, he's going to have a lot of money to campaign um, and try to take out those um, those top two. Of course, he's a, a, a local son uh, of Androscoggin County, representing Lisbon in the state senate. 834, 56 degrees. Senator Nate Libby is in for his monthly visit. We'll have one more segment with him around the bend on the Z. It's the Breakfast Club, Maine's Big Z, 92.7, Worldwide of the all-new Maine's Big Z.com. Dr. Matt Bush was in this morning from Spectrum Healthcare Partners, Central Maine Orthopedics. If you were listening to the interview, you have a chance to win Sea Dogs tickets. Go to our Facebook page, figure out how. we got family four-packs tickets for this weekend's games. We have a family four-pack for Friday, Saturday, and for Sunday. Senator Libby is here. Final segment with him. We've discussed quite a few things today. Uh, the child care rate increases, uh, legislative session coming to an end. When um, is is there, uh, so there'll be, at this point, the special session stuff happens or something, so that'll be coming up shortly? Or Yeah, we assume a special session is going to happen, um, but we have no idea when. Uh, my hope is it happens sometime before July 1st, which is the beginning of a fiscal year. Um we gotta we gotta figure this out by the beginning of the fiscal year because that impacts nursing homes, direct care workers, school funding, et cetera, et cetera, on down the line. So, Child Protective Services. This is a state uh, government department that's been in the news the last few months uh, with the deaths of, of two young children. What's going on with this one? Uh, in let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, there there were two uh, separate um, murders of of young children in Maine over the last six months, and. It's caused many of us to take a look at um, the Department of Health and Human Services um, Child Protective Services Division. Um, we are concerned that there, obviously, the, the ball was dropped in both of these cases where um, red flags should have been uh, raised and action should have been taken to prevent the deaths of these 
two young children. Um, so there are a number of different things going on. One is that uh, the Attorney General's office is investigating both um, murders, as they do all murders, um, but they're taking a look at these two cases in particular. Um, you've also got um, the Government Oversight Committee, of which I'm a, uh, the ranking Senate member. Um, we are conducting a big-picture investigation to um, kind of look at where the criminal investigation is not going to go to evaluate systems in place across the pu local public schools, local and county law enforcement, the state agencies, and all the nonprofit organizations that fill in the gaps. We're trying to figure out, in a big picture sense, um, where did the system break down, where are the weak spots, and where do we need to um, make some adjustments and corrections so that in the future we can do better at trying to prevent um, this kind of uh, uh, murder from happening. And uh, so this the government oversight process is going to um, come back in about a month with our uh, first kind of quick take at um, the Child Protective Services system, and then we'll do a more thorough uh, review over the summer and fall. So I'll probably have more to tell you uh, later on. Now, Child Protective Services fell under the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, right? That's correct. And that was run at the time by? Uh, well, it was Mary Mayhew for a while, and okay. then uh, a guy, oh, uh, Ricker Hamilton, uh, okay. more recently. But um, this, uh, in my, and I'll just try to, I'm trying to be nonpartisan here, in my honest assessment, it has uh, long been the most uh, dysfunctional department of state government. I don't put any of the fault on rank-and-file workers. Um, I put the fault in appointed political leadership. Um, that is non-responsive to the public, non-responsive to the legislature. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it is so poorly run. We've got to do something different with the new administration. We are talking with Senator Nate Libby. He joins us each and every month. Senator, thank you very much. Always good to see you. Thanks, Matty. We'll have more on the way. Means Big Z, 927 1055 56 degrees.